Hello, brothers and sisters. It is the Remnant Warrior here to tell you guys about another absolutely amazing way for you to get exclusive access to documentaries, audio and ebooks, and exclusive episodes of our brand new monthly subscription only podcast with myself, John, and Jeremy from By Their Fruits and a different special guest host each month. And best of all, you, the subscribers, get to vote and choose on the topic that we discuss in the episodes each month. You get all of this as well as the same access to the almost 200 episodes, books, and documentaries that you already have access to for only $2.99 a month. Now, we have a library of over 250 documentaries, ebooks, and audiobooks that we will be uploading to our subscriber only content each month you will not only get access to absolutely amazing content but you will also be helping this ministry to continue to spread the good news of the gospel of the kingdom to over 70 nations around the world that currently listen to the programs and Bible studies on Kingdom Productions Network. So guys, please pray about becoming a monthly subscriber. It's only $2.99 a month. That's less than a latte at Starbucks. So I hope you guys will sincerely think about helping us out and I love each and every one of you may God bless you all grace and peace hello brothers and sisters this is the remnant warrior and you are now listening to buy their fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network. By their fruits, you shall know them. By, 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 by their fruits. Fruits, you shall know them. I am your host, Jeremy Stone. I with my co-host John. How you doing, John? I'm doing well, Jeremy. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, man. We got a special guest. My wife yes, decided to come on tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about a uh, a topic that's very taboo, as she stated before we started recording. It is a taboo subject, and it's one of those things where when you start talking about it, I think it'll 
come become clear as day that it's more spiritual than it is uh physical in my opinion but uh yeah i have my wife felicia on today how you doing baby doing good doing good yeah i hope so because i'm right here (laughs) (laughs) uh all right so where do you want to begin we can start wherever fits you because i know that i mean you're you've been through it you've studied it a lot you know you're, you're kind of the expert in this field out of the three of us. So wherever you want to start, go for it. Babe. I'll start with, um, well, the first time I had it was when I was 16. Um, actually 17. I had my baby after and I was 17. Um, it was un- undiagnosed and I didn't realize until I was diagnosed with my second child that it was postpartum psychosis I had the first time. Um, I was 17 years old. I had lost my virginity to rape and ended up keeping my baby. So I think the trauma could have, I'm pretty sure it contributed to this because, you know, you know how demons have to have a way in. So I believe it was a trauma that let them in. And um, so like the, the things that I had um, as far as symptoms was, you know, I See, it was kind of hard because with the rape, you do have the trauma and then you have the symptoms of the rape. So like rape victims will kind of like not have a bond with the baby most of the time. I'd say like 99% of the time they won't have that bond. They'll like not want the baby and or they'll have like mixed feelings. They love the baby, but then the baby looks like the rapist type of stuff. So that's why I think it was mis- un, um, it wasn't diagnosed because I was raped and they thought it was those symptoms. So it was hard to catch. But um I suffered in silence because I never had like thoughts, like they were horrible thoughts. I never had them in my head. Um, I had voices telling me to do things that I ignored so much and being a teen dealing with this, being at home, like it was horrible. Now, were, were these voices audible or just you were hearing thoughts that weren't your own or, or could you audibly hear it? It was both. It was both. That's, that's intense. Yeah, um, I won't go in too much detail um, about other stuff, but with my uh, my oldest, um, I went into a trance when I was uh, bathing him in the sink, and um, I ended up dunking him for a second. It was only a second because I actually came to, um, but yeah, the voice was so strong, and when I was in that trance, it was, I couldn't like stop it, and I didn't know what was going on. Um, my mom was with me though, and she didn't even like notice. It just looked like I was rinsing his head or something. Um, but the fact that women suffer in silence because of this, um, they're afraid of getting judged or I guess don't want to lose their baby or don't want to be put in a mental institution. Um, it's scary. So with my second child, I had the same thing, the same, except it got worse this time. Um, I was having actual visions of and I'm going to get into detail here because because it's so taboo, I think I need to open that door up for people to, you know, be open. Yeah. To see what they go through. I had visions of chopping off my baby's head and that scared the crap out of me. And I didn't know what to do at that point. I said I was thinking to myself, if I tell someone they're going to lock me up, I'm going to lose my baby. Yeah. I'm going to lose my kids. Like it's going to ruin everything. Um, but it got to the point where. I couldn't even sleep because at nighttime I'd have um, audible voices telling me that I'm going to burn in my home. It was so bad. Nothing worked. You weren't safe. Were you saved at this point or no? I was not saved. Not safe. 
Yeah, that's intense. Did so they no have hope. you on any type of anti-psychotic uh, medicines or antidepressants or anything, lithium, anything like that, that they normally prescribe, which have their own toxic problems and their own issues? Right. Felicia? So with my first child, um, they, I didn't tell them about like that incident with uh, bathing him, but I was telling them about the symptoms and they thought it was from the rape. So they gave me um, Zoloft. Okay, <laughs> which is SSR. Yikes. Okay, yeah. So that could have caused stuff too, because it causes suicidal thoughts as does, part yes. of the side effects, which is horrible. So it could have been a mixture of all of it. But with my second child, um, I ended up calling my doctor and they gave me a, a therapist and I saw a psychiatrist and they put me on Prozac. Well, it's another SSRI. Just okay. as bad. <laughs> yes. uh, which, which this one, it has more fluoride <laughs> Yeah, right. uh, within it. Um, okay. All right. Um, which again, it, again, most people are aware that alcohol opens up people to spirits, but there's a possibility that certain psychiatric medications uh, may also open up people to either um, demonic possession of their unsaved or demonization. Um, is a discussion again it's taboo that a lot of people probably don't want to have right when a benzodiazepine like Valium for example modulates GABA very much the same way that alcohol does so I mean you know it's it's you know most atheists or people who are in the medical field may scoff at that but I do think it is very uh very plausible that these medications can open you up to uh, further possession or further um, uh, demonization or even, you know, uh, influence your gut microbiome or neurochemistry to um, cause, you know, uh, horrible, horrific uh, side effects that a person would not normally do unless they are under these medications. Would you agree with that, Felicia? Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's one of those things where it seems like, uh, like psychosis in general, seeing visions and hearing audible voices is uh it, it's there's an influence that is spiritual that people don't think about and i and i think that it kind of goes along the lines of like uh schizophrenia or extreme mm -hmm. schizophrenia at the least and you know a lot of people look at that and think about these things from a a very carnal mindset but we as christians can see that there is a bigger influence than just that. I know that there, your body can produce certain hormones and, you know, you know more about this than I do, John, but, you know, certain hormones and, and chemical uh, exchanges within your brain that may cause you to hear things or whatever, but hearing an audible voice outside of your own head to me is like a clear indication that it's probably a spiritual mm -hmm. phenomenon. I would agree. Yeah. I thought, I mean, as a Christian now, I know I was in deliverance ministry for six years. Not that I had a ministry with the name or anything, but I had a Bible study and like people started inviting people that weren't saved. And then, you know, they would um, need deliverance. They would just start manifesting. But from seeing all that and studying about it, I could say that I was possessed because um, I do remember during that bath time situation and um, a lot of the time with my second child, I actually felt like I wasn't controlling my own body. I kind of felt like I was outside my body. Wow. Like I was sitting in the car of my mind, I guess you could say. It was pretty scary. So like a, an extreme urge that you couldn't control. Oh, yeah. An out-of-body experience or depersonalization, um, yeah. which can have a spiritual component to it. I mean, my father was a paranoid schizophrenic. 
Uh, but by the grace of God, he was able to keep it well under control for the most part. Um, it didn't take any psychiatric medication. Um, but, you know, sometimes it would when he was in sin, when he fell back into drug use, it would rear its ugly head again. Yeah, because some of these things are like, although natural can be natural, mm-hmm. um, you know, demons can take advantage and use these types of things as a vehicle to further whatever agenda they have for you, in a sense. I know there's probably a better way of saying that, but, you know, that they use it as an avenue to further corrupt your your mind and your heart, you know, and to have an extreme urge to hurt your baby is just unnatural in general, but if you if you feel like you can't control it then there's got to be an outside influence because yeah. most most human beings would be able to be like okay that's wrong like you know what i mean and and probably would be able to resist the urge but you know hearing that that you felt like you were being forced to do that even though you knew it was wrong definitely sounds demonic very much so yeah cuz uh with uh there's baby blues and I have like the definitions here because there's baby blues, postpartum depression, and then postpartum psychosis. So the baby blues is intense mood swings that happen during the first days or weeks after birth. Postpartum depression is intense, longer lasting feelings of sadness, anxiety, hopelessness. And then there's the, you know, postpartum psychosis, which is a psychiatric emergency. And, you know, they have hallucinations, like you said, like they... They hallucinate. They have um, audible voices they hear or, or voices in their head. Uh, and ten percent of the women that have postpartum depression get postpartum psychosis. Oh, okay. And a lot of those women are the one women, sorry, are the ones that kill their babies or their kids. And it can last up to two years, which is crazy because out that of is, nowhere it can just hit you. That wow. is a long. That's a long time period. That's why uh, I think that's why I think it's demonic because their hormones are already because they're saying it's because of the sudden drop of hormones and your body has is having trouble stabilizing the hormones back to how they used to be. But for two years, yeah, like I should have years, in most cases, it should have already definitely been returned to normal and even any neurotransmitter imbalances. Um, I mean, that's the thing about most modern science, right? Uh, Felicia, or most modern uh, healthcare is that they deny completely the supernatural component, right? right? And so since they deny the supernatural component, they come up with any uh, carnal way that they can describe any uh, event uh, that is happening in someone's life, right? And one thing that I noticed that they, tr- they they don't use so much with postpartum depression, but they do use more with postpartum psychosis is electroconvulsive therapy, uh, which has been proven to be unsafe from, from what I've read for most cases Yeah, uh, when you're shocking the brain, <laughs> which right. I mean, I would say in above itself, if you're shocking the brain, uh, you're probably uh, you're probably open up yourself up more to possession or demonization, uh, you know, so I, I, to me, it doesn't seem like that's probably one of the most extreme routes you could go, right? Is is for electro electroconvulsive therapy, <laughs> lobotomy, um, bro? Uh, yeah, that too. But I, <laughs> uh, they don't do that any, anymore. No, they got. Uh, uh, but but you know, so they 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 kind of, of course, there's in even you know me being a you know Christian naturopath, there's no. Uh, attempt to try to correct any nutritional deficiencies or correct any um, 
you know, any imbalance uh, with heavy metal toxicity or anything that may contribute to uh, something like this from a uh, from a carnal physical level. Instead, it's only medicine, medicine. And if the medicine doesn't work, we're going to shock you. Uh, yeah, they're always trying to manage the, the symptoms instead of the uh, the actual problem, what might be causing it, you know, the roots. You know, they're always just trying to manage those symptoms. And I know a lot of them know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not they're not dumb. You know, it's a moneymaker in, um, in most medicine or with most medications. It's just a moneymaker. But it reminds me, all this reminds me of like severe OCD. I don't know how much you know about that, John. Mm-hmm. But like severe OCD with people having these intrusive thoughts all the time and these yeah. this, you know, riddling uh, physical anxiety. And uh, you feel like you don't have any control over your mind. Like these thoughts come in no matter what. Um, that that in itself, I believe, is spiritual as well. I know when I had it because I had it for five years. I had severe OCD, and God, you know, that God, He delivered me. Me too. From that, when I me became, uh, yeah, yeah, and it took me, it took me five years. You know, begging Him every single day to heal me, and uh, but He didn't until I became extremely obedient to His Word. Yeah. And uh, I feel like that was the avenue for Him to bless me in that way, um, because. I was failing in a lot of areas. I was not very close to the Lord at the time. And I was getting, trying to self-medicate throughout through alcohol. And, uh, you know, none of it worked. None of it made me feel any better. And then uh, one day, I know this is about you, babe, but no, you're fine. <laughs> I'm just, you know, cause I, cause I kind of compare the two in a sense. Um, but yeah, it took me one day to just drop on my knees and say, you know what, God, like if you heal me or not, I'm going to serve you. I know who you are. I can never deny the truth. I just need to pull my bootstraps, look forward and be obedient to your word. And within three months from that day, I got completely delivered. No more intrusive thoughts, anxiety, anything like literally 110% delivered. But I know that those things God uses to sometimes draw you to him. And I know that my wife's situation ended up doing the same, right, babe? Like this is what led you to seek something more than what they were giving you right so you you sought god out of this yeah that's actually how i got saved um because well after you give birth you have the contractions that shrink your uterus back to size and that is painful with every pregnancy it gets more and more painful and i couldn't handle that pain so they gave me tylenol threes which i hate taking meds even pain meds but i I had to take them because it was so bad. So I was taking those. It was constantly making me tired. So I would sleep all day because I also felt safe during the day. And I wouldn't hear the, the thoughts or the voices during the day. And so while I was sleeping, I would have the TV on. I used to always make fun of like the Christian channels, but I was flipping through it and the 700 club was on and I was watching it. So I just kept it on that, you know, I don't know, TBN or CBN. And I actually felt safe uh, and peace when I would watch that but at nighttime I couldn't I couldn't have it on because you know we're sleeping but during the day that's mostly when I would sleep and that's what made me seek God and I found a church that was nearby and that's how I actually got saved but that's why I know it's like you know because my third and fourth child I was a Christian and you actually have a 50% more chance with the next child to have this so you know I did seek uh, my counselor uh in preparation yes because i was preparing for the depression or psychosis again but third and fourth child didn't get it at all um wow. i was afraid of like what they call echoes 
because you you can have it um I guess it's kind of like a flashback yeah. but people can mistake that for like you actually have psychosis again so a form of PTSD or, right yes and um no I didn't get it at all so that's why another reason why I think it's demonic because with Christ being a Christian I didn't have that again when I should have according to statistics you know or what the world says mm-hmm. so so Felicia when you had it the first two times um you were not um you were not a christian you were not born again but were you very antagonistic to the lord were you um were you very much in sin were you did you have any new age or beliefs like that or anything like that that were you doing anything like meditation or anything that would practice you know open you up to demonic possession when you were a teenager Yes. <laughs> Actually, uh, I did a lot of witchcraft. You know, when I was younger, there um, the craft came out when I was in middle yeah. school at the time. Yep. And like that was the thing. And we went to every library, try to find these books. And we were copying exactly what was happening. Now that I researched it, now that I'm older, they actually, it was real, what they did, mm-hmm. the stuff they did, the spells. I believe that was a part of it. And then my friend gave me a glow-in-the-dark Ouija board. So I was actually doing that stuff. When I would get upset, I would get the Ouija board and play with it. It never moved or anything, but I never pressed good, not pressed. I never pointed it to goodbye. So I never closed those portals <laughs> that I opened. Yeah. So I believe it could be that also the rape, the trauma as well. Yes, that's of course. Gateway. So that's why I asked, because, you know, I, myself, um, I, I haven't been bored again. I don't think for the, to the past few years, but when I was a kid, um, I used to thought, I thought that I really did love the Lord at that time. And maybe I was, I, I, again, I don't know, but I, mm-hmm. you know, my mom died when I was very young and I was very scared of demons and aliens at night. And I would tell my father, now my father was born again. And my father would tell me the aliens were demons and, you know, and to pray and not to worry that they weren't going to come and get me, but I would have these irrational uh, fears, uh, so much so that I would have hallucinations of seeing aliens and demons and stuff half and a half out of dreams, uh, you know, that, um, that it would be happening. And I, I myself, um, would turn on a Christian radio and listening to sermons and songs at night to keep the demons away. Um, now granted that you could say that's kind of using it as some sort of, sort of topa or like using the, you know, the the cross to, to get demons away right. but it was my trust in god at least i believe it was at that time of earnestly you know believing that he you know he, he could you know keep the demons away um and um and i talked about this uh you know when we, we discussed our um sleep paralysis uh you know and we had a round table jeremy um but you know and 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 it, it you know during those time periods it to some degree it did and it was later when i fell away and became a new ager it was meditating and trying to have autobody experiences and stuff like that in my 20s that's when i really started having sleep paralysis and, and and dreams that i saw demons and the hat man and stuff like that and everything so you know and so when i was you know when i was my heart was away from the lord that's when it was, you know, I was being demonized, you know, and I do. And I guess one last question was, was as a new ager, I do believe I had the cunningly spirit in me. I'm pretty sure about it. Okay. What about you? Do you, do you think that having these hallucinations could be a sign of 
the Kundalini spirit that could be a sign, a Kundalini spirit, a spirit of divination? Do you think that a spirit of divination or a Kundalini spirit could play a role uh, since you were into witchcraft and you were into divining using a Ouija board uh, that it could have been what might have uh, brought you into these states of psychosis because we know of Kundalini psychosis, for example? Um, yes. is a real thing. So is, is that possible? Do you think? I believe so. Um, cause as a teen, my auntie gave me a cosmopolitan magazine, which is for women, not teenagers, but I was like looking at 17 and cosmopolitan magazine. And it was in 17 magazine that there was a page where you could, um, rip out, um, these little mini tarot cards. <laughs> they were really tiny. Uh, maybe like two can fit in the palm of my hand, tiny, uh and it teaches it taught you how to do it so it made it sound like it was fun it didn't really say anything about you know demonic obviously um so I was playing with those tarot cards too um I did try doing yoga and all that because you know those magazines have a lot of stuff like that a lot of new age stuff didn't now that I think about it um yeah I definitely think could be that too because I've seen that kind of stuff in church and uh, a lot of those people that used to do things of that sort they have a lot of back pain. They've dealt with like delusions, hallucinations. So I definitely think it could be that too. Yeah. I wonder if that plays in a role in it. Cause you'll see a lot of with the Kundalini psychosis that the yogis talk about. And I believe myself that I've had periods of it when I was a new ager. Okay. Where it just makes you completely irrational and you have visions and, and uh, hallucinations, you know, and you hear things that aren't, you know, there's no one around you, but you hear talking, uh, you know, and stuff like that and everything, you know, I had that when I was meditating, uh, you know, and, and uh, practicing yoga when I was doing that at, at, at the most, uh, I was having uh, those experiences, um, you know, and I do believe when I became born again, um, the cunning leaning spirit, you know, with the, which is the false Holy Spirit, uh, you know, left me and the Holy Spirit filled me. And ever since then, I used to get a, um, I used to get a sensation where my vagus nerve is and my back and kind of like a, like a, like a, like a hair standing on the back of your neck type sensation when I believe I was acts, you know, was active and I was divining and hallucinating, you know, and I used to have like kind of like the, the third eye feeling up here on the top of my forehead too, as well, when I was deep in my delusion, you know, when I think the Cunnilini spirit was, you know, acting through me when it was possessing me, uh, that since I've been born again, I no longer have it all. It's completely, wow. gone, completely gone. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I do think that the Kundalini, a Kundalini spirit, a spirit of divination can lead people to massive hallucinations. And some of them can be psychosis and some of them can be psychotic that can lead you to harm someone else or to harm yourself. Now, John, did, did this experience for you, I know it did for my wife, but did that fear of going through those things, like that the fear that you have experienced, is that what pushed you to the Lord? Um, somewhat, yes. Um, not as strong as like the, um, because a lot of it, some of it was there, but it wasn't as strong as other people like Felicia, like Stephen Bancars, like Josh Peck, you know, new agers who have given their testimonies, you know, um, 
but like the supernatural, like those type of experiences, looking back on it now, I can completely tell you, yes. Like I thought I was one of the reincarnations of the 12 apostles, you know? So yes, looking back on it, I thought I was a reincarnation of the apostle Thomas, you know? So looking back on that, obviously I could tell I was completely in delusion, <laughs> you right. know? And, and so now look at, it, I just, I shake my head. I can't believe it. And ever since then, I've never had any feeling like that or inkling like that or anything. It's completely gone, you know? So I think that was the, um, I mean, full-on beliefs where I was writing my own cosmology out, you know, um, and having visions and dreams and stuff like that and everything. And that's completely gone now since I've become born again. I have the Holy Spirit in me, you know. And, yes, I feel foolish. I feel foolish. <laughs> I feel foolish of ever believing and having those delusions, you know. It could be completely, you know uh, – heretic and, and lost you know and i and I, just, and I think that's when the moment i did get born again um was you know that moment that i repented of that and earnestly told god that i would serve him for the rest of my life and that i believe earnestly and i have faith you know and that was the moment like i felt like they say the kundalini spirits wrapped around your spine you know a kundalini spirits wrapped around your spine right and right. i felt it leaving like i felt it leaving and i felt the holy spirit feeling me and it's the same thing i feel now when i'm worshiping when i'm praying when i'm earnestly serving the lord when i hear somebody else doing the same uh someone else preaching the gospel it's the same warmth feeling that i get sometimes that leads me to weep or to cry you know Sometimes grieving in the spirit when I'm in sin, sometimes it's not all happy, you know, right. but it's the same feeling. And so I believe that feeling is the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's the only feeling I have now, uh, you know, so, um, but I, that's why I, I was asking, you know, Felicia, if she thinks that, you know, a spirit of divination, you know, uh, a, a Kundalini spirit type, um, if it could lead to people in, into, um, having psychosis, having uh, visions or delusions. Uh, it's not the only demon, obviously, that can possess somebody, but a demon of that type, I believe, could lead to that. Um, right. Which I think you would agree with, with me that, Jeremy, and I think you would agree with me with that too, Felicia. Um, yeah, yeah. Well this, well, this brings up two different things. So the first one being that we, I know that we had a, a show talking about whether uh, born-again Christians could be possessed or not, or... Mm -hmm. You know, hearing the arguments, well, what happens to the demons when if you have any and then you become born again? And, you know, they use that as an argument where you need to be delivered uh, even after you're born again. But like you, you, you believe you had a, a spirit within you. And when you became born again, it left. And I believe that's how it is for any true born again experience, Uh, you know, for, for a Christian. You know what I mean? Like the, the demon cannot dwell in the same place as the Holy spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So, with that. And yeah. And the second thing that comes to mind is uh, the more I hear you, John, the more that I see that our lives are like ridiculously similar. <laughs> you know, my, my dad died when I was eight years old, which drove me and I didn't know God at the time, but it drove me to hate him. And I got into you know, I was obsessed with death and God. It wasn't stuff. later that I hated God till I was 18 when my dad died then because my mom died when I was seven. But it wasn't till then where I remember telling my grandparents, I hate God, I'm angry at him and instantly regretting it, though, and yeah. knowing that I was wrong and shamed of it, you yeah. know, but not saying it to them. You know, but I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to state that. So no, you're good. Yeah. So for me, it was like because I never knew God. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have a Christian background, no influence at all to lead me towards Christ. But. For years, 
after I decided that I absolutely hated God for taking my dad from me, you know, I got into a cult and uh, the occult and, you know, practicing divination with Ouija boards as well, because I was, you know, out of the grievance of my heart, I wanted to contact my dad. And this is what I believe, uh, you know, on top now, of I all the trauma I had well. before that. Yeah. In my 20s. Yeah, I, yep. A lot of people, I believe, do it out of grievance and uh, because they, they believe that they can talk, contact the dead. They believe they can contact their dad or their mom or a cousin. You know what I mean? Just anybody that they may have lost. And uh, that, that meant a lot to them. And this drove me into heavy sleep paralysis, like heavy sleep paralysis. And when I was going through all this stuff, eventually it was just too much, man. And it drove me, aside from everything else, I mean, there's a lot more to this, but it's one of the things that drove me to seek God. It was one of the things that drove me too. Yeah. And I think uh, that God uses these types of things quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, if we do, God knows who you know has foreknowledge of who is going to become born again, right? So I right. think he shows us grace through different parts of our life that ultimately leads us to become born again. Uh, you know, in, in, in different uh, fashions. For some, it's, you know, right before they get bored again. For some, it, you know, in high, in high amount of grace. And some, it's different periods throughout their life. Um, you know, and it's different for everyone. Um, Felicia, I do want to ask you, um, do you believe for women who've had postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis? Um, and I, I, I think you would, but I still want to ask, do you... Do you do you think that medical science and science as a whole is being used by Satan and by man to make people believe that, it, you know, women, you know, that, that, it, that it's shameful, that it's carnal, uh, that it's, you know, um, genes, it's all genes or it's all um, their lifestyle or what they've gone through and it's all obfuscation, or most of it is obfuscation, to keep them from thinking that it's a spiritual affliction, and to keep them from seeking out Jesus, who is who is the physician that can uh, save them uh, from these traumatic events. Ultimately, yeah, I believe so. Because um, when I was in therapy for it, they never. I mean, a lot of them from the past before this uh, would tell me like, you know, we should have a higher power that will help us, you know, because I had trauma as a child too. So that could have also been another thing. But um, yeah, so if they don't, I mean, talk about a higher power, especially during a time like this, you would think they would say, hey, do you have a higher power to, you know, go to for, you know, maybe praying something. They said nothing. Um, Even that's so vague, you know, if you're not pointing them to Christ. Right. You know, like you're pointing them in the wrong direction. <laughs> you know, it could think, open you up to many things anyway, huh? Yeah, I don't think they handle it correctly, to be honest. They, um, I sought help because I'm like, okay. Um, so I'm seeing the visions of me chopping my baby's head off. Like that freaked me out. Um, and I was having delusions and hallucinations. Uh, so did they explain it to you? Like, so explain it in a way in such a carnal, carnal way? No, I felt shame trying to get help actually. Um, I was expecting them to lock me up because yeah. I, I had, I had thoughts that would tell me to kill my child or kill myself, uh, both pregnant, uh, uh, children after both pregnancies. And I didn't do it. 
but I'm like, you have to lock me up because I need to save my baby. Like I, I am a harm uh, to everyone around me. I can't, you know, I can't eat. I can't sleep. Um, it's horrible. But did they explain your symptoms to you? Like, like they try to, like, like John was saying, did they explain a way where it's like, oh, well, it probably has to do with your hormones, trauma, going off trauma, you know, and all these different things. And like, I'm not saying those things can't be contributing to it, but none right. of them were explain it all. Were explaining it supernaturally. Like none of them were saying it could be demonic possession or demonization, or maybe you should seek the one true God. Uh, or any 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 of there's no there was there any resources do you remember that were out there that were Christian based? Are there any resources that are out there that are Christian based now? There weren't back then. This was a uh, well. The second time is when I sought help. That was 2008. There I didn't hear anything about that. Now there is. I mean, I guess because of the internet, there's a lot more. Um, and then like YouTube, TikTok, there's a lot more people talking about it now. Like Brooke Shields had it, the actress. She came out about it, but there's not very many women who have. No one leads you to Christ uh, as far as, you know, therapists and all that. Yeah. Uh, every one that I've met has been new age. So it's wow, been difficult. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, there, so there's not a, a Christian outreach of Christian therapists uh, to help uh, women in, in need in times of crisis. Uh, for oh. postpartum depression or for postpartum psychosis that you know of? Well, there's this uh, thing that I found online. It's called Triumph for New Moms Act. Mm -hmm. um, Triumph stands for um, Task Force Recommending Improvements for Unaddressed um, Mental, Perinatal, and Postpartum Health. But I had to look that up. So it's not, like I said, it's taboo. No one talks about it. And the crazy thing is that a majority of these women end up killing themselves or their babies. Um, so if you have postpartum psychosis, it's a 5% suicide rate and a 4% infanticide rate. So wow. these women end up killing themselves or their babies, not to mention another fact, um, women who've had abortions can also get postpartum psychosis and postpartum depression. So a lot of these women, because I'm a pro-life activist, a lot of the women that kill themselves who had abortions, it's not just the guilt and all that. They they might have postpartum psychosis and not realize it because it's not talked about. And, you know, Planned Parenthood, all these abortion clinics, they don't discuss the mental health part of it. They don't discuss any of that. So that, I mean, if he does go in for something like that, they should at least tell them that you could suffer from, you know, suicidal thoughts. It's not brought up. And a lot of like me, I thought I was going to get locked up to get help. And then like maybe a few weeks later, you know, get back home, go back home or anything. No, they just put me on meds and I was seeing a counselor twice a week. I let's see, I was taking fluoxetine for eight months before I actually saw um, improvement. But actually at the same time is when I was really getting close to God and reading my Bible. Yeah. So I don't really think it was the medicine that helped because I've taken it before. I've taken a lot of meds um, for a lot of different things. Um, now that I'm on no meds, but you know, the fact that these women like me, I've done research on cases where they do kill their kids or, you know, try to kill their kids. They're sent home just like me. They don't take them seriously when they say, lock me up. Like a woman knows her body. She knows her mind. So she 
feels like she's going to harm her child and you don't lock her up and you send her home and she kills her kid. Like, you know what I mean? They don't take care of this. And I think the church needs to rise up and start um, having a lot of deliverance because you have a lot of people coming to the church to get help. And it's much more than just, um, you know, theology and um, well, does, yeah, pray for you. It doesn't help that the church is like dead. <laughs> you know you, what I mean? Do you, a lot of do them you, shy away from the spiritual aspect of it. Do you right. think um, the Christians that uh, protest Planned Parenthood and uh, try to give uh, women options uh, to um, have their babies like Agape Pregnancy Ministries here and where I live in Fayetteville, North Carolina, um, do you think that – I mean I think that they should be knowledgeable – um to discuss these matters with women that go into planned parenthood um you know and, and should uh you know tell them you know that it, 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 it you know i don't know if tell them specifically that you know it's it can lead to spiritual affliction you know when you first speak with them but th they should be knowledgeable to be able to Talk about these statistics, say that these things happen uh, even after abortions, you know, like pro-life people. And I think you would agree with me on this. Anybody who's a pro-life activist, they should be trained in how to handle these things and should be trained yeah. in how to discuss postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis that may occur after an abortion or even uh, how to help women who are pregnant. Uh, that it may happen afterwards. And I think that's probably something that is very sorely lacking. Would you agree with me on that or am I mistaken? No, I agree. Um, I've been doing a pro-life work and activism. I've spoken a lot at different events um, throughout the years. I've never heard any of the people that I've, you know, dealt with or, you know, teamed up with talk about postpartum depression or psychosis after abortion. And, that's that will makes it even more taboo and you know all this blood money they don't care about the women you know i was recently i think it was like seven months ago i was um you know roe v wade all that stuff going on i was uh, invited to do um a podcast something like this that was live and i was the only pro-life person which i thought was unfair but like god had me there you know, you already know the their side, what they say. And I'm like, did you know that Planned Parenthood, um, they have, um, what is it called? Employee of the month. And they also have, uh, what is it called when you, quotas, mm -hmm. who can get the most abortions. Jesus. You, know, you, have, you have to get this many abortions this month. That's what they do. And I'm like, they're just using it for money. And then I use the, you know, um, the history. They, they don't care. Um, cognitive dissonant. A lot of people. But like I said, these places need to discuss this with women. I believe having an informed decision, I'm not for it, but I believe, you know, there should be laws for them to give them an informed decision because if I, I never had an abortion before, but if I heard that I could kill myself or have postpartum psychosis and I would never get one, like that would probably change my mind too. Well, so I, never, I never heard it until you just mentioned it to me right now. And I've listened to a ton of pro-life, you know, I'm pro-life myself. I'm relatively not, I know about postpartum um, uh, depression and even psychosis, but I had no idea that it happened. And it does make sense. Of course, it makes sense mm -hmm. that it would happen after, uh, you know, a, a, a woman gets an abortion, you know? And right. so, um, and, and, and so, you know, I, 
I'm shocked that I, I mean, this is something pro-life Christians should know about this, should discuss this um, as a polemic against having an abortion uh, and should know how to support women. Um, you know, and in pregnancy ministries should be able to know this information too and know how to support women. And it's disheartening to hear that there's none of that. There's not. And the scary part is they're treating the suicides um, after abortion because of guilt when it could actually be postpartum psychosis. Mm-hmm. So when, demonic. you know, there's a demonic. lot of... um. Yep. There's a lot of women uh, who are pro-life and not Christian and Christian who have um, ministries that are just for healing women, you know, but if you're trying to heal a woman who you don't know has postpartum psychosis, she might still end up killing herself because she's not be- being treated um, correctly. Yeah. She's not being, yeah. you know, if you tell them, um, you know, if you're, you know, obviously if they have Jesus, they most likely won't do that. But if it's a ministry that doesn't have Jesus, I believe that they could still probably kill themselves because they don't have anything to help them, really. No they just hope. have all this wisdom. It's There's demonic no wisdom. There's yeah, no, no hope. hope. And, no and, hope. and I think all three of you, or both of you guys would agree that whether, I'm just going to use uh, the medical industry as a blanket statement, because whether you're talking about abortion or psychology, um, at the roots of it all, uh, at least in the secular field, go back to the occult when you get back into like the movers and shakers of these things, you know, Margaret Sanger or uh, mm-hmm. Kinsley or the dude before him. What's his name? Um, I forgot his name. They, they call him the father of psychology, but like you can trace Which these one? things. Freud, young Freud, Freud. Yeah. Like, and he openly stated he hated Jesus. He hated Christ. He hated it. And young and- was a Gnostic. Yeah, yeah. See, these things. Uh, and Reich was a pedophile. Well, Reich was a pedophile. Yeah. So Kinsley I mean, also was a pedophile. That dude. is like, true. Yes. It, you know, and these things all have spiritual roots to them. And uh, I would imagine, though, the success the success rate for whether it's abortion or a Christian psychologist or something like the the success rate is probably much higher in those fields than it would be in the secular field because you have that hope, or you you're being led to the only hope that could actually heal you instead of just dealing with the symptoms or practicing this and that to, to help you move along in life. You know what I mean? Like if they're preaching Christ, I would imagine their success rate is much higher. So yeah, I Google postpartum depression in Christianity and nothing came up. Um, hmm. I mean, this is brought to my attention now or postpartum psychosis. Um, I've never, wow. Okay. Um, it's intense. Only yeah, less than I mean, 15% receive treatment of women who actually have this. And they might have no idea that it's actually, it could be a spiritual influence. I mean, I would, I mean, I would treat it, you know, Christ centered, Jesus Christ centered, God, the father centered first, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you would have hormonal testing, like you could have a full packaged approach. Right. And there seems to be nobody doing any of that, which is concerning to me because, there's, you know, I don't, I, I Googled it. I could be wrong. And, and I believe that you deeply researched it, Felicia. But I mean, there, again, I've listened to pro life activists that have been doing it for decades. I've never heard it. And it, I mean, with my knowledge of it, even looking, I mean, it's true. So if that's the case, you know, 
Blows your mind, doesn't it? I know something. Something's got. I mean, something. This might be something that you want to, you know. I mean, definitely pray about it, and you know, talk about it with Jeremy. But this might be something that you might want to try to spearhead or something, or yeah, pursue, I mean, pursue that. Pursue if God leads you to do it. Then I, you know, I, you know, it may, may, it might be something you might be open to, you know, because to, from what I see, no one's, no one's touching it at all. Um, there's some also facts here. Um, this was in 2021. It's called 2020 Mom. And it says here, research suggests that suicide is a leading cause of maternal death in the first year following childbirth. Suicide accounts for up to 20% of maternal deaths that occur in the postpartum period. That's a lot. Maternal suicide is most frequently completed between 6 and 12 months postpartum. Um, the severity and rapidly evolving nature of postpartum psychosis increases the risk of maternal suicide. Depression during pregnancy greatly increases thoughts about suicide while pregnant, but this did not mention women who get abortions either. So that's yeah. being ignored. And so it's not just guilt. I'm pretty sure guilt is a part of it, but I'm pretty sure it could be postpartum psychosis because, you know, it's not natural to get an abortion. A spontaneous abortion, which is the medical term for miscarriage, is not actually uh, an abortion. So some people get that mixed up. That's true. They don't really know what they're looking up or that's true. It's here from someone else. But if you're removing a child unnaturally, you know, I mean, it's not by miscarriage or it's not by birth, an, an your body abortion. freaks out, yep. your body freaks out. And those women also who get abortions, they have um, a higher rate of, um, of dying um, from breast cancer too. Yeah, what they're doing, even whether they realize it or not, is extremely evil. They get a you know an elective abortion, you know, that right there is another gateway into demonic possession or, yep. or you know what I mean, like or severe a, oppression, a severe oppression, right? So, man, a lot of these things could easily probably be dealt with, not not easily dealt with, but you know what I mean. They're the avenue that John was talking about for you and me to, to maybe spearhead something like this, you know, how many people that you could probably reach, yeah. reach and come to I mean, Christ, to especially honest, if they're very silent about it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, and I had an elder brother in Christ who discussed this with me, actually, you know, true pro-life activism of preaching the gospel and, you know, and, and women becoming born again through it should be a main goal of any pro-life ministry. Right. Right. Roe versus overturning Roe versus Wade and what limited effect that had on that. Right. Because it's sin that causes you to do something like that. Yes. Yes. So, you know, the whole activism as far as changing the laws, which a lot of what pro life is pushed into. Yeah. If you change the laws, but you don't, people aren't becoming born again. Again, it right. plays into the falsity of Christian nationalism, right? Mm -hmm. What. It's not gonna. Ha it's not gonna glorify God, uh, you know. Though I would want abortion to be illegal, obviously. But in the, you know, if your if your main, you know, thing is to have it illegal, but most of the time people's main drive is that, but not actually ministering to these women, helping these women, and uh, and uh, you know, and preaching the gospel. It's there, but it's not. Right. Most of the time, it's not in the main. Most of the time, the main is protesting 
and and uh legislation. Yeah, that's what that's what I said during Roe v. Wade too. When the, you know, obviously it's all over Facebook or social media, right? That the whole thing's going on, and you're hearing everybody else's side. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, this is a heart issue. Mm-hmm. This is a heart issue. 100%. Like making it illegal isn't going to change the fact that women are going to get abortions. Nope. Like especially now that it's so ingrained in society and people are so conditioned to think it's okay, they're going to seek something somewhere to do it anyway. Yeah, there's really you no need Christ. There's yeah, no really aftercare. Do. The women suffer. And like uh, with my uh, third child, they said he had a fetal anomaly. Uh, they said he had um, Edward syndrome, which is trisomy 18, I believe. Um, he ended up not having it. But the test they gave was actually a risk factor, not t- a test for his actual chromosomes to see if he had it. So they sent me, based off a test of my blood, based off of a risk factor, which they didn't tell me, I had to research this myself. I had to be um, sent to, um, what was it? A geneticist counselor. Yeah, yeah. I had to so, go to work for my son. I understand. Yeah, so, you know, they had me there and they said, oh, this is trisome 18, this is what it is. And they gave me this um, binder to look at all the, it was all bad, bad stuff, like negative. There was nothing about keeping your baby until it dies when it's supposed to die, you know, or, you know, loving your baby until it's that. Oh, I know. I know. I went, I went, I mean, I could tell my own story. I went all through that. It was horrible, but based off a risk factor, they offered abortion three times, which is scary because they don't realize what, you know, just exactly what we're talking about. They're placing that on these women and they still don't educate them that this is what could happen if you get this abortion. They well, they just told- send them off to the abortion clinic, abortion clinic collects their money, you know, the genetic yeah. counselor gets her money and that's it. They just really don't care. And it really is demonic. It's eugenics. What was the it's eugenics. Yeah. Huh? What was the percentage that they gave you for trisomy 18 for, for Joan? Ooh, I don't even remember. It's usually something stupidly low. Trisomy 18 uh, affects every single organ. So he would die. They said he would have died um, either in utero, immediately after birth, or within a year. And only 10% of those babies make it up to 10 years old. Well, they, right, but well, I they, mean the percentage of, of his risk factor of even having it. Do you remember what it was? Because usually that they'll push all this stuff on you even if it's 1%. You know what I mean? Like they're going to bring it up. Yeah, it was low. Yeah, I would assume so. It like, if, if you're telling me that my baby has a 0.5% chance or 5% chance of having trisomy 18 and you're offering an abortion. But they thought like, it because uh, he had a, a soft marker is what they call it uh, during um, an ultrasound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're going based off the ultrasound and then the risk factor was a little higher than most, um, but it was still low. But they were basing that off of a risk factor. And I said, well, I want his blood tested. Once I got the blood tested, I found out that he didn't have it. But I also found out that 85% of these babies um, are actually healthy babies that get aborted. You know, you're pressured in that room. And yeah. obviously, you probably know about that, too. No, I understand. I mean, with my son, he, they didn't even know what was wrong with him. Uh, my wife had polyhydramos, sex excess antibiotic fluid. Uh, an ultrasound around 32 weeks. Uh, my, they, my son's heart was beating, but he wasn't moving. Um, okay. they gave, uh, she gave birth to him. We didn't know what was wrong with him for months. Uh, it turned out he had a six born in the world, extremely rare condition called congenital myopathy with excess muscle spindles. Um, I had the head of the neonatal unit who I will not name publicly 
uh, at Cape Fear Valley at the time, tell my wife and I that it would be better if, if my son had died in her womb and she had still birthed uh, than for my son to be alive. Jeez. Wow. And, um, you know, and he did have some of the uh, symptoms of Edwards syndrome, like the clenched fist, for example. He had a lot of uh, muscular contractures. And I'm not going to go into a lot of, you know, I, I've talked about my son. I, this is, you know, you know I'm, I'm not going to, you know, discuss him at length here. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they, 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 they said stuff like that to me, you know, and my wife, you know, and, 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 you know, and I wasn't born again at the time I was new age, but even I knew that it would be wrong to have him killed or have him aborted. I told them to do whatever they possibly could to save my son's life. And he, he lived till he was three, he died of medical error. You know, that's all other discussion. He didn't die of his disease. But, but, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I saw the arrogancy, you know, I saw that, you know, not all doctors are this way. There are good doctors. Okay. I I know that there are, there are good doctors that are even, that are, that, that are, aren't even, um, that are not saved. You know, they're, they're, they're doctors that try to do their best to, to, um, do less harm. Okay. But I, I saw the ones that strictly look at it from a Darwinistic evolution, eugenic belief. Right. That if these kids are any way, shape, and form not the Ubermensch, that they are burdened on society, and it's better that they're dead. Yeah, I witnessed man. it myself with mm-hmm. my own son. The arrogancy of that, that they play God, you know, it's disgusting. It's all about the money. <laughs> Yeah, that's sad, man. And it's that again, it's back to that. Honestly, whether you want to say it's secular or not, it's 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 spiritual in essence, like the Darwinistic point of view, like survival of the fittest. It, like mm-hmm. you said, you know, if, if there's something wrong with this kid, you might as well kill him. Or you know what I mean? Like that is ingrained so heavily in society. And people need Christ more than ever, man, because that's never gonna change somebody uh somebody's perspective well they look at it com- as that. compassion killing in a lot of way that's how they rationalize yeah it. they rationalize it and it's, it's like disgusting. it's sickening it's yeah, sickening it is it really is where i had three years with my son and he died the medical error not from his condition he would have lot you know <gasps> i'm so sorry man it's it, it, it is what it is uh you know i mean i i, I live with it every day uh you know but i mean it's it's if, for them you know it's three years Right, that you we got had to know him. and bond with your son. Yeah, and so for him to be like, you know, no, you know, like you shouldn't have that because it's more compassionate for you not to have that. You know, I saw with a friend of mine's sister who uh, had uh, a Cardi syndrome and was se- severely mentally handicapped. And it was just because she had so many seizures. And once you reduce the seizures, there was a trapped little girl in there. And, you know, and yeah, she wouldn't be as mentally cognitive as us, you know, on this call, but, you know, she would emote and she would, you know, and she would smile and she would recognize her parents when she reduced the seizures and they had all given up on her, you know, thought she was a husk of a person. There was nothing in there. There wasn't a, 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 you know, she wasn't a created, you know, being by God who has a soul in there, you know, to them, you know, she was nothing but a husk. She couldn't do anything, you know, completely, the you know the lowest IQ possible, you know, and it's just their arrogancy. Yeah, man, and it, 
honestly, it goes back to this. It, it reminds me of this, man. If you look at some of the abortion like videos that they have, or like it's on ultrasound, like these children and not even born yet can feel pain. They can feel compassion they have dreams. and they have yeah. dreams, you know, so they say, but think about it. Like if you were to, what is more compassionate? Everybody needs love. It's an innate love that God has given human beings. And I think that human beings tarnish that and obviously suppress that. And especially if your perspective has changed, but if, if that baby can feel pain and love, how would it be more compassionate to kill it? When you see them scream, like screaming and kicking, like in the womb, dude, when you see some of these abortion things, how is that more compassionate than it being born and loving it while he's here? Or it's well, they make they'll make know, the argument that we that that animals we shouldn't eat animals, veganism, right? You know, oh, but at the same they time, they knew. care they care nothing about human beings. Yeah, you know, some people I know people who care more about dogs than they do human beings, man. It's yeah. it's sad. It's actually very sickening to me. It's anti God. Yeah, yeah. The eagle eggs have more freaking rights than human beings sometimes, man. Like it's five, you know, five hundred thousand dollar fine, fifty thousand dollar fine, whatever it might be, to to destroy a bald eagle's uh, egg. But there's no consequence for killing a human being. Yeah, they just they just don't care. I had a friend who went in for an abortion and she was told there was no heartbeat. They had the ultrasound uh, monitor turned towards her mm-hmm. and she asked to be put to sleep for it because she didn't want to be awake for it. And um, she said that she saw a little flutter and she said, is that the heartbeat? And they got the monitor, turned it and then put put her to sleep right away. If she had known, she would have kept the baby. So can you imagine the kind of... Because they're lied to a lot, guilt? Huh? Oh, they're lied to all the time. The guilt, you know, that she felt. And she thought, you know, because you... These women realize later that they're still mothers. Yeah. yeah. And you can't erase the memory of a baby. No wonder why then a lot of women have Killed postpartum them. psychosis. Yeah. When you've realized what you've done, you're probably under so much stress and grief that it would cause like if you mentally strain somebody so much and you break them they'll have psychosis yeah my my friends i have a lot of friends who aren't christian but just in general just hanging out with them they just bring it up i've had a friend cry and she's like i wonder how old that baby would be today you know i don't i try not to think about it because if i know how old then i'll start thinking about the name and all this stuff and she's crying she's like i regret it yeah. She's, they, live, a, they live with it for the rest of their life. She lives. had a few of them. She raised every single one. And they may say they don't because they're like trying to use their side to say, oh, like justify it. Yeah, justify it. But they, you can't, like I said, erase the memory and you're still a mother, but of a dead baby. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some, you know, there's, there's men in their fallen state that drive women to get it, um, that, 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 that coerce women to getting abortions. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Um, there are some women, though, who through their own sinful nature, or God has given them over to a reprobate mind or yep. through de- through demonic possession, sadly, that wear it as a badge of honor that revel in it. Now, yeah, I don't no know remorse. in their deep and darkest moments if, if it does creep in, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, but this tragically and sadly, there are, you know, those instances um, and you see it with murders, you know, you see it with um, uh, serial killers, 
yeah. you know, um, and, you know, and, and so there is kind of like this, it's sad because there are many, many women. And I think the women that revel in it are the minority. At least I'd like to right. hope so. Okay. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the, but, but, but most, you know, women do regret it, I believe. Um, and, and, uh, statistically, they do. And hopefully the men that drive them to it, if they do, they regret it as well, too. Because if, you know, it, it, I mean, it's for a man for a man to have enough authority over a woman to drive them to convince them to have an abortion and it does happen. Yep. The judgment that they have from God on them. Right. You know, and I'm not saying that the woman has no culpability in those examples, you know, but it's still it is I mean it is whew, it is it's it's rough. Yeah, it's I had rough. a friend had a friend who um same friend it was the same situation um the guy told her, her boyfriend said, if you don't get the abortion, I'm going to leave you. He yeah. left her anyways after the abortion. Wow. And uh, within six months, if, if abortion is even discussed or they got an abortion, uh, the relationship ends within six months. Now, so, now we're going to do a show possibly Monday if we get it all figured out. Uh, Monday night, if everybody's available, uh, specifically on abortion and the bo- abortion cartel. So I want to drive this back home to psychosis. Um, what would you say to somebody, uh, hypothetically, if you were talking to somebody with, uh, you know, that condition, what would you say to them? How would you, how would you help that person that's different than a, you know, a psychologist, let's say? I would definitely tell them to seek God. Um, and also to seek a counselor, but a godly counselor. There are, you know, Christian, um, therapists out there, Christian counselors that, um, you know, cause psychology, it can get crazy, <laughs> but they use, they use the Bible a lot to help us, um, in those times too. And I think an approach, uh, godly approach to that would be the best. Um, that's why I say you should be careful who you choose as a counselor or a therapist. Um, and a lot of people just blindly follow what the doctor says, instead of like, you know, advocating for themselves. If you know, yep. if something seems wrong or you want to change something, you don't want, you don't like the doctor, then change it because that's your life right there. No, no. So there wouldn't be like an AA approach where they're like, you know, like you, you, you don't want to lead them to a vague, just seek a higher power. You want to lead them to Christ. Right? Yeah. yeah like, you want to find a Christian counselor yes. who, who is, um, it seems like there is a necessary void that needs to be filled like with people who are knowledgeable like you felicia you know um to 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 bear this weight uh and to you know help women as a representation of our lord and savior jesus christ ultimately um and i think that's probably something that is very sorely lacking uh from speaking with you and from what i've you know briefly looked up Uh, and so you know i you know i would I would, you know, I, I would heed, you know, what you're saying that if, you know, if there's any women who are concerned about this, who are unsaved or have had it in the past, um, to definitely, you know, uh, read their Bible, seek the Lord, you know, uh, you know, uh, earnestly and, um, you know, definitely try to find somebody who is a Christian counselor for sure. I 
I don't know if I'd recommend any standard psychiatrist or psychologist because most of them are so stuck in the new age uh, philosophy, whether they realize it or not, especially if they're Jungian psychologists or psychiatrists in a lot of ways. Um, it's tough. There's not a lot of resources out there for women. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, too, is probably less so for men who have to deal with a woman who might be going through that. Um do you have any sources or statistics on how many men can be affected by the situation in general uh, uh, of a woman on psycho who who's dealing with psychosis or? Well, men deal with the uh, postpartum depression too, so it's not just women. So that's what I'm saying. Can they I have think, psychosis as well? I haven't looked that up yet. I haven't really. I mean, I tried to. I didn't really look it up specifically, but I haven't seen anything. But I do know that. Um, 10% of fathers within the first year do can get it. Uh, postpartum depression, not psychosis. So if you have, I mean, what if you have both dealing with it at the same time? That's like, you need Jesus, seriously. Um, I think, like I said, um, adding to what I just um, answered your question with, uh, also to find a church, a Bible-believing church, and seek out, um, I would say, deliverance not a support group because that's just getting rid of the symptoms. I mean, a support group can help and fellowship can help because you do need support because people feel alone in that. But definitely I would try to aim for deliverance too. Right. Lots of prayer. Yeah. Lots of support from your brothers and sisters. Definitely. Definitely. A lot of those, both women and, and men. I mean, we need deliverance. I'm not saying when we say deliverance, uh, at least for, you know, me and John obviously agree, but we're not talking about like a Christian having a demon inside of them, but being oppressed, you still need, you can still seek deliverance for oppression. That that's probably going to go a long way in trying to help people who are suffering from this. Right. Lots of prayer, fasting, turning seeking the body. Yep. Turning from sin, repent of whatever you might be in, because a lot of these things, John, right. And I'm sure my wife would agree, but a lot of these things do not happen to those who are being very obedient to the Lord. For the most part, yes. I agree. I would agree with that, yes. Right. Or well, it's less common afflicting them. Right. It's not afflicting them as great, as strong as your faith is and obedience to the Lord is. Um. Yeah, I would say that, yes. Also, their diet. I think um, healthy living is a good thing too because oh, John's all about that. Hormone disruptors are everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole. But I would say, you know, get on the eating healthy train and try to stay away from processed foods as much as possible. Because I honestly, that did a lot for me too, my mental health. Because um, I had a lot of trauma. I was eating healthy, and I'm just very crunchy. Yes. <laughs> very <laughs> even the mic was too loud for you <laughs> like you're all about you're all about protecting your body that's for sure yep <laughs> so john what would you suggest like because we know that not everything is spiritual right mm -hmm. but we know that for example uh psychosis probably turns into something spiritual if you don't deal with it but it can be natural right well, I mean, there's probably genetics at play. There's probably right. dietary issues at play, heavy metal toxicity, uh, gut issues, 
Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I believe there's a combination of both carnal and spiritual in most examples, but some could be strictly carnal and some could be strictly spiritual. Uh, but okay. I usually think that, you know, there's both in most cases. Um, so for anybody that might be listening who's dealing with this or knows somebody that's dealing with this, um, aside, obviously, you got to seek Jesus Christ first. Of as course, we, above all, on yes. your face. But do you have anything off the top of your head that might be able to help somebody with a gut flora? Or, I mean, know, I would balancing that up. I would definitely um, get some bioidentical hormonal testing done and therapy from a um, Christian-based practitioner, if all possible. Um, I'd recommend following a healthy diet, which I've never written a diet myself, but you know something akin to like the Perfect Health Diet by Paul Jaminet. Um, you know, a lot, you know, like, like Felicia mentioned, less processed food as much as possible, less added sugar as much as possible. Um, you know, obviously abstaining from alcohol, um, you know, um, getting no proper, getting proper sunlight. Yes. No drugs, uh, getting proper sunlight exposure, um, blocking blue light at night to help with circadian rhythm. Uh, I mean, there's many things that you can take like magnesium supplementation, uh, proper omega-3 fatty acid ingestion. Um, you know, there's things that you could do to obviously improve your mental health and your, um, your, uh, you know, mental cognition, uh, from a dietary supplemental lifestyle standpoint. Um, but first and foremost, the most important aspect is, you know, seek ye first kingdom of God, right? So, um, you know, if you're not born again, obviously earnestly reaching out to God, you know, you know, you know, start with the, you know, if you've never read the Bible, start with the book of John, uh, you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, I think earnestly it's, it's Jesus Christ and God, the father, um, that will help a person the most. Um, but there are things that you could do, obviously, carnally uh like you know bioidentical hormone therapy um proper diet proper circadian rhythm proper supplementation checking if a person has like if a person has a lot of uh, silver amalgams in their mouth it could be mercury toxicity that plays a great role with depression uh and psychosis um you know and so there, there are definitely things so that detox can be done. could help too I have yeah you'd have to get this mercury amalgams removed and then go through the andrew andrew cutler hall uh a detox protocol for mercury. But yeah, I mean, there are, you know, I myself as a Christian health coach, um, you know, I, I don't offer or advocate any new age modalities um, to my knowledge. If you go to my website, fix your gut and you find any that are still there, please alert me and let me know. I will definitely get rid of them. Uh, but I don't think that I do, but I do think supplementation and diet and lifestyle are very important. You know, I still counsel and coach people on that. You know, but ultimately, the most important thing is being born again right. and being obedient to, to God and having faith. So, Amen to that. Is there any other questions that you wanted to ask, uh, Felicia? Um, I think we pretty much covered every, everything, and I definitely want to thank her for being brave enough uh, to come on and to speak her, 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 you know, her story, as well as to uh, proclaim Christ. Um, and be so open and, and, and forefront, uh, you know, uh, which has to, is it takes a lot of courage. It really, it really does. 
Um, and um, I do definitely want to, to thank you, Felicia, for, for doing that and to raise awareness um, and to, you know, be a strong sister in Christ and, and, and fighting for other women and uh, ultimately fighting for God. Uh, uh, you know, through the activism, pro-life activism that you do and, and everything. And I'd like to encourage you uh, to think about, you know, maybe making this uh, something that you can do to glorify the Lord if the Lord moves you as such. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's very, uh, it's very something that's very needed. Uh, so I do want to thank you for coming on, you know, with us, Felicia, uh, with your knowledge, with your compassion, uh, with your dedication and love to the Lord uh, and your dedication and, and love to helping your fellow uh, men and women uh, who are going through what can be some of the darkest times in their life, uh, dealing with postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. Um, it's something that you know more people do need to be aware of, especially with pro-life ministries and they're trying to help women. Um, you know, pregnancy ministries as well too, which I guess would be under pro-life. Uh, but it's crucial for them to understand this and to be able to counsel and minister to women and men, uh, but primarily women who are who are going through uh, these traumas. So I definitely want to thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. Well, is there any way that uh, I, just so if people you know feel comfortable reaching out to you, is there any way that they can do that? Is there anything that you can think of? I know you have a Facebook, but then again, it's kind of. I changed my name. All yeah, the time. you changed it. All you time. might want to set up. You might want to set up some sort of proton mail email, and I guess we could put it in the show notes, maybe. That if any women are listening or any women that may hear this, would you be open for them to reach out to you? I would. Yes. Yeah. What's it called? What kind of email? Uh, proton mail. It's a little bit more encrypted, supposedly, even though it's a Swiss-based mail company, so maybe not. The Swiss. Uh, yes, the Swissy Swiss Templars. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I was, I would say, uh, you know, us, you know, making some sort of, or you could do it yourself, making some sort of, obviously making some sort of email account and we could put it in the show notes just for any women who are battling with this or any women who may want to reach out to you or anybody who may want to read out to you about postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis or pro-life advocacy, uh, that, that, that if you're comfortable with it, that they would be able to reach out to you and to, to talk with you. Yeah. yeah and if you guys, if anybody out there, uh, wants to go through us meaning the the buy their fruits uh podcast itself you can reach us at buy their fruit zero two at gmail.com and uh you reach out to me that way and if you got something you want to ask my wife i can let her know and she can get back to you that way as well oh i do have a, a facebook group i forgot it's called women's war room there you go <laughs> and you i go. guess i can give you the the link so you guys can put it on there. yeah yeah we'll throw it in the show notes all right john well thank you buddy well, uh, thank you all very much for everything. Yeah. Sounds good. God bless everybody. Uh, and take care and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to buy their fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift and the receiver.